Hey friends, welcome back to the journal feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. We are trying to make it real easy for you guys to just keep up on all the latest literature. So let's take a quick look ahead at everything that we'll be covering. First off, phenobarb for alcohol withdrawal is slowly making its way into the limelight. After that, high-sensitivity troponin at six hours could be even more magical than at three hours or at one hour. Then, uh, why bother with an LP when you can just scan your way out of trouble? After that, calcium still isn't the choice for patients who are arresting, not even if they have PEA. And then finally, POCUS for cricothyroidotomies. Is it helpful or nah? If you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber, and so you will not be receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only receiving a portion of the past week's articles. Don't worry, all the articles are good, and really this week, all the articles were really good. So if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember, we never want money to be a barrier to better patient care. So if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, just reach out and we'll help you out. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by Catherine Solkowski, Gabby Leonard, Julie Brown, Alex Clark, Megan Hilbert, and Clay Smith. All right, let's dive into the first article titled Phenobarbital for Severe Alcohol Withdrawal Syndrome, a Multi-Center Retrospective Cohort Study out of the American Journal of Respirology and Critical Care Medicine. Way, way, way back in the day, old school, we're talking about alcohol withdrawal was treated with barbiturates. And then when benzodiazepines came on the scene, they kind of came into vogue and they took over. Not for any clear reason, though. That wasn't necessarily supported by data. They were just popular. Now, high-dose benzodiazepines are often required and can lead to possible over-sedation and even intubation. Phenobarbital, on the other hand, has lately been gaining a lot of favor for the treatment of alcohol withdrawal syndrome because of its long half-life and pretty its ease of dosing. There have been some studies that suggest that phenobarbital leads to less mechanical ventilation than benzodiazepines. This trial explores that question in a larger cohort than has previously been studied. Here is a multi-center retrospective cohort of 13,000 ICU patients from hospitals across the United States. Data came in from the Premier Healthcare Database and was used to assess patients who were admitted with the diagnosis of alcohol withdrawal and who were treated with benzos or phenobarbital. The vast majority were treated with benzodiazepines. Only 11% received phenobarbital and more than 90% of those patients also received benzodiazepines. That said, over the study period, the hospitals that used phenobarbital actually showed a 200% increase in that use on some sites. So phenobarb, it's on fire. As I alluded to, the primary outcome was invasive mechanical ventilation with the secondary outcomes of length of stay and need for adjunctive medications. Now, overall, the use of phenobarbital was associated with a lower rate of mechanical ventilation, an adjusted risk difference of 4.6% less than those patients who were just receiving benzodiazepines. Now, it's hard here to really dissect out what the influence of phenobarbital was because of the mixing with benzodiazepines for most of the patients. Honestly, I don't think that either medication is necessarily more dangerous than the other. It's all about the dosing strategies. Here, of course, dose is going to make the poison. All the same, if you're one of those people who is a big fan of the growing number of patients who are being treated with phenobarbital, then this is good news for you. 
in a spoonful. While this is not a true representation of phenobarbital use on its own for alcohol withdrawal syndrome, there is some signal there that phenobarbital causes less use of mechanical ventilation compared with benzodiazepines. Okay, let's jump over to the third article. Titled, Sensitivity of Modern Multi-Slice CT for Subarachnoid Hemorrhage at Incremental Time Points After Headache Onset, a 10-Year Analysis, out of the Journal of Emergency Medicine. I think that doing an LP is something that's much scarier than it needs to be. After all, thousands of people get epidurals and spinals every single day for surgery. But that said, a lot of society has a lot of trouble just getting simple intramuscular injections, so I'll probably never win this argument. Anyways... I bring this up because we're talking about subarachnoid hemorrhages, for which an LP has classically been needed to make the diagnosis most of the time. Studies have shown that non-contrast CTs of the head have up to a 100% sensitivities for subarachnoid hemorrhage if they're done within the first six hours since headache onset. Beyond that time point, the meaning of a negative scan has been kind of debated. Here's the thing, though. Every year, we develop better and better CT scanners. Eventually, the LP will become unnecessary. We're not there yet, but perhaps we're closer than you previously thought. This was a single-center retrospective analysis of patient data collected from 2008 to 2017. The primary outcome was the proportion of patients diagnosed with spontaneous aneurysmal subarachnoid hemorrhages by a non-contrast multi-slice CT scan. The secondary analysis was any type of subarachnoid hemorrhage, not just aneurysmal. This data showed that of 327 patients, 97% of aneurysmal subarachnoid hemorrhages and 96% of all subarachnoid hemorrhages were identified by CT. With modern third-generation multi-slice CT scanners, if performed within 24 hours of the headache onset, all of the cases of aneurysmal subarachnoid hemorrhage were identified. So that's 100% sensitive at 24 hours, and this fell to only 99.6% sensitive by 48 hours. And for all subarachnoid hemorrhages, it was still 99% sensitive at 48 hours. This suggests that with modern scanners, you could be much more confident in your negative scans, thus avoiding the LP. And don't forget that LPs have quite a high false positive rate. It's not a fabulous test either. In Spoonful, I'll want to see bigger studies on this, and it'll probably take like 10 years before this is actually widely adopted and practiced, but a non-contrast CT scan of the head done by a modern CT scanner has very good sensitivity for aneurysmal and non-aneurysmal subarachnoid hemorrhages even out to 48 hours. Okay, that's it. That's all we've got for new information. Let's do a quick wrap up just to remember everything we talked about. First off, a little bit of support for phenobarbital in alcohol withdrawal, please. Now, this is messy data, and I wouldn't trust it very far, but there was some signal for less intubation when you used phenobarbital compared to benzodiazepines. This should probably fuel more research. And then from the third article, how new is your CT scanner? It's just a matter of time before scanners make LPs for acute subarachnoid hemorrhages obsolete. We're getting there. This study supports very good sensitivities up to 48 hours using modern CT scanners. Okay, links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcast into a little bite-sized nugget of space repetition. If you're feeling like you missed out, you're like, hey, you know what, I'd love to hear five articles every week instead of just two, then you'll have to come over and join us in the members feed. Our goal here is for you to read less, learn more, and then save lives, one spoonful at a time. Thank you.